If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, we have extra Bibles. Things we'd be glad to let you use. Hold up your hand. Use one of ours. And turn with me to two openings to the 8th chapter of John and the 6th chapter of Luke. John 8, did you find it? And we're also finding Luke 6. We began last week a new series. And this is, uh, these two are our text. In John 8 and verse 31, it says this, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thank you, Lord. Now, a lot of times uh, people quote that 30-second verse, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But how many see that it goes with something else? How will you come to know the truth and be set free? The Amplified says it like this in verse 31, if... Somebody say if. If If you abide in my word, the Amplified says, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. Well, we began talking about last week being a disciple of the Lord. We made this statement. I want us to go over it again. Are you, because you believe on Jesus that he paid the price for your sins, and has done what's necessary for you to be saved, and you're a believer, does that automatically make you a disciple? Well, think about this here. Did it say he was talking to people who believed on him? Look at the scripture again, verse 31. He said this to who? The Jews that what? So they're believers. But then what does he go on to say? If. If. You continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll really be my disciples. So obviously, being a believer does not automatically make you a disciple. You know, think about the multitudes that came to hear Jesus when he was teaching and preaching. Multitudes. Uh, Did all of them become disciples? The Bible said many of them believed. But did all of them become disciples? No, disciple has to do with a commitment. It has to do with a greater commitment and a greater submission to the Lord, to the Master, than many have made. And we're talking about that in these times now, becoming a disciple, being a disciple, and we're going to get into it more today. How many think it's a good thing to be the Lord's disciple Would it be worth whatever commitment and submission that it takes to do it? In Matthew, you don't have to turn there. You're in Luke 6. uh, But in Matthew's account of what we're reading in Luke, verse 24 of chapter 10 said, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple that he be as his master. Luke 6.40 says, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. We said that a disciple 
is a follower of the Lord, a learner, and a follower. Uh, But not just like a classroom learner. Uh, Vines went on to say this, a disciple was not just a pupil, but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teacher. We went through a couple of natural secular examples uh, last week, like uh, the old show Kung Fu, where that there was the master and then there was the grasshopper. And younger audiences and even some older ones might know about Star Wars, where there's the Jedi, you know, and the masters, and they have a Padawan, a trainer that they're training up. Well, how many understand all this doesn't just occur in a classroom? They are training 24-7. They are living with these individuals. They're watching every move they make. And they have made tremendous commitments, haven't they? Their whole life has been changed. And uh, they've left family and left all kind of things to follow this and pursue this. And the ultimate goal of the disciple is what? To become and be just like the master. And Luke 6.40 says this. The disciple is not above his master. Now these are the words of Jesus. Most people, you know, a whole lot of theologians wouldn't even have dared think to say that. Would they? They'd have thought that was unnecessary to say that. Well, Jesus thought it was necessary. So he said it. What's he saying? He's saying, you're not going to pass me. But, oh my, is he saying what we think he's saying? Everyone that is perfected, now let me read this to you from another translation, the Amplified, says a pupil is not superior to his teacher, but everyone when he's completely trained, completely trained, will be like his teacher. The English version says when he's completed his training, he will be like his teacher. That's what the word perfect means, complete. Is it possible for you to be Jesus' disciple right here, right now in this life, and learn of him to the degree by his spirit and by his word that you become just like him? That was a little weak, but I think you're thinking about it. Is it true or not? Red letters, red letters, Luke 640, Jesus said it. He said, you're not going to pass me. You're not going to get above me. You're not going to develop beyond me. But if you'll stay with me and complete your training, if you'll be my disciple all the way, you can be just like me. Don't you say this out loud. High, high. but not too high. Not too high. <laughs> Are we talking about reaching for a high? High go. Yes, high. High, but not too high to reach. Why? Because of the master who's training you. How in the world could I act like him and operate like him? Well, you're looking too much at you, and you're underestimating your master teaching you and training you. You know, a good teacher 
can train slow people. If a teacher or a master is good enough, they can train even slow, difficult learners. And it's not because necessarily the pupil was so sharp. It's because the teacher was so good. Oh, come on. So good. (laughs) I know a friend of mine was a head of a a military project that was top secret for years and years and years. And uh, it was a piece of equipment they were operating. And there's nothing like it had ever existed or ever been operated. And they had them in closed quarters. And these different individuals with all these degrees came in and tried to teach them how to operate this machinery. And uh, he said, man, they were there week after week. And they'd come out scratching their head going, did you get that? And other guys said, no. Of course, I understand. These guys are not slow or they wouldn't even be in these programs. I mean, these guys are sharp. And finally, they saw they weren't making progress. They had one of the main guys that developed the thing from the beginning, this first engineer, they had him come. And within two days, they all had it. They said, well, yeah, we got, why? Because he understood it. Because he was a better teacher. He understood it. The other guys were giving them something they read in the book. Well, you've got the author of this book. Living inside you, he can train you. Now, come on, this is the same spirit that was on Jesus when he preached and taught, when he ministered to the sick, when he delivered people. Come on, when he raised the dead, when he walked on that same spirit is your teacher. And I don't care who you are or how you did in school, he can teach you. He knows how to talk your language. He knows what you relate to. Somebody say, he can teach me. I can get it. Because he's so good. And it's not all going to happen in two or three days or four weeks. But if you'll stay with him, what will happen? You'll be changed into His likeness that you are beholding from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. I mean, isn't that one of the great things that happened in the book of Acts? You see miracles happening. And the Bible said they took notice of the disciples. What? That they had been with Jesus. Why? Because they were acting just like Him. They were doing the same things He did. Thank you, Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke in the uh, 14th chapter, I believe it is. Last Sunday, we got into this. What does it mean to be a disciple? And we saw two examples in the Scripture. You don't have to turn there. You're going to Luke. But in 1 Corinthians 9, we read that... Well, let me just read it to you from the English version. He says, every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last, but we do it for one that will last forever. He compared this discipleship and following of the Lord to living like an Olympic athlete training for the gold. How many Christians have thought of themselves like that? They get up in the morning and think, man, I've got to be disciplined today. I've got to deal with things with the same discipline. 
of a top Olympic athlete in my walk with God. People haven't thought like that, have they? We read in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, the second chapter, he said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, The fourth verse says, a fighting man, when he's in the army, he keeps himself free from the business of this life, that he may be pleasing to him who's taken him into his army. He compares walking with the Lord to being a highly trained special ops soldier. Do we think of being a Christian like that? I can tell from your overwhelming response that (laughs) no. (laughs) So many people, they came down, they shook the preacher's hand. They say, yeah, I'm a part of the church. But that's it. They feel like if I come to church, you know, once a week or once a month and I put a dollar in, glory to God. Y'all just pray for me. Now hold fast till he comes. We'll know Jesus is returning for a glorious church that is occupying. Till he comes, there are too many folks that live such a sloppy, lazy, fleshy life. And people try to act like, oh, that's okay, you know, I love the Lord. And Well, what the reality is, is so many people are believers. They believe in Him, but they are not disciples. They have not made the commitment to be His disciple, to be in training with Him, and to let Him train them, and to put their body under, and to keep their feelings under. Come on. And set what they think and want aside, and whatever it takes. To follow him. So over the course of these next weeks. And ever how long the Lord will lead us this way. I want us to examine this. And I don't want you to make hasty words and sayings. I want us to look at this. I know we got believers all across here. But are you his disciple? And if not, are you willing to be? Are you willing to become his disciple? Is it worth what it would cost? That was real weak. But you can see why we're on this, right? This is, you know, people are thinking, and we haven't always heard this. And, I, you know, a lot of preachers are afraid to preach like this. They think, well, it makes people uncomfortable, you know. Well, friends, I'm not the master. Jesus is the master. And we've got to hold on to what he said and hold up what he said and not lessen it. But hold right to it. Well, we're going to look directly at what he said about discipleship right now. You're in Luke, where is it? 14. Our question now is, will it cost you to be his disciple? What do you think? Well, how much? How much is it going to cost you to be his disciple? Luke 14. And verse 25. Luke 14 and 25. There went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them. If any man come to me. And hate not his father. And mother. And wife. And children. And brothers. And sisters. Yes and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What's Jesus telling them and us? He's telling us situations wherein we cannot be his disciples. So not everyone that has heard him and believed on him will be his disciple. It requires a great commitment, doesn't it? And a great submission. Let's keep reading here. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Now why didn't they finish it? They didn't realize how much it was going to cost before they started. Is that important to realize how much it's going to cost? Why didn't the man finish the project? Because he didn't count the cost before he started. You know, so many people set goals, financial goals. I'm going to save X amount. Physical goals. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. This goal, that goal. You know why so many people do never reach their goals? Because they didn't, they weren't honest with themselves that this is going to cost me something. And am I willing to pay what it's going to cost me? Am I willing to go without cookies for three months? <laughs> am I willing to pay that kind of price? <laughs> you need to be honest with yourself, right? You, people play games, they kid themselves. They say a bunch of stuff and they never counted the cost and they never made any commitments and that's why they don't follow through and they don't finish and it doesn't happen. You're better off going, hmm, let me think about this. Let me look at this. Okay, now I know I want this, but what's it going to cost me? Hmm? And then you have to figure out how much do I want it? Do I want it enough to pay this? You need to be honest. I was talking about this uh, first service. Phyllis and I, when we were at Ramah, we hadn't been eating all that hot for months. Just scraps and stuff, whatever we could put together. And we got a hold of a little money. $50, I thought it was. It might have been 100 I don't know. And uh, it was our anniversary. So we thought, glory to God, we're going to go out to a fine restaurant. And they had just opened a brand new and nice one, you know, white tablecloths and nice stuff. And we showed up over there and uh, we ordered some stuff. And then they told us about this special that they had. And uh sounded wonderful. We said, yeah, we take one. It was for two. We didn't ask how much. And we ate, boy, we enjoyed it. Ooh, it was great. And then, because, you know, I mean, how much could it be? What are you laughing about? We're just young and from the country and didn't know much. And, and we're sitting up in this big, fine, fine restaurant. You know, the guys got napkins draped across their arms. And you already know we're in trouble, don't you? And then they came up later and they had this special dessert. Special dessert for two. Sounded wonderful. Everything else had been so good. Yeah, yeah, we'll take one. Didn't ask how much. Because, you know, how much could it be? We got, what, $50, $100? We're, 
<laughs> this was a few years ago. And uh, boy, when they brought the check, I about fell off my chair. I thought, you got to be kidding. And I realized, well, you didn't ask them how much it was. And boy, Phyllis had to scrape in the bottom of her purse, and it took everything we had to get out of there. <laughs> how many know you should ask? How much is this going to cost? Well, that's what he's saying. How much is this going to cost? And specifically, what's he talking about? How much is it going to cost you to be his disciple? Now, this hasn't been preached much, has it? People come down, like I said, and they get saved, and they think, glory to God, I'm saved. That's it. And no discipline. I mean, they don't get up in the morning thinking, man, I got to train like an athlete. I got to be like a special forces soldier today, spiritually, and in my life. I got to discipline my mouth. I got to discipline my mind. I've got to discipline my body. I've got to discipline myself in my spending and what I do. I got to be led by the Lord. I am not my own. I have a master, and I am in training to be just like him. I can't run my own life. He's my Lord. I'm not my Lord. He's my master. I'm not my master. Do most Christians think like this and live like that? No, no. That means they're not his disciples. They've not counted the cost and they've not made the commitment. Do you think it would be worth making the commitment? Would it be worth, some things are worth paying the price. What about those guys, you know, our our, uh, swimmers or volleyball players or all the guys that won the medals just a few days ago, you think they're glad? Now that it's all behind them, that they paid the price? They worked out every day. They watched their diet. They, I mean, they set other things in life aside, sometimes for years. Was it worth it? And the scripture we read said, they did it to obtain a corruptible crown, something that will fade away and rust and be gone and not be remembered years from now. But we're doing it for a crown that will last forever. Is it worth the cost? Well, what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is counting the cost and checking our hearts. And I hope uh, you know that people all over this church are going to say, Yep, yep, I am not just going to sit on the sidelines and watch other people. I am going into full-time training to be a disciple of the Lord. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to put under my body, my mouth, my mind, whatever it takes. Amen. Somebody say, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. To follow Jesus, follow Jesus all the way. What's the ultimate goal? Like Is it possible for you to get to the place where you live like Him? Yes. You think like Him. Yes. You talk like Him. Yes. You pray like Him. Yes. You minister like Him. Yes. You can help people like Him, like He did. Is it possible? Yes. Yes. If you'll stay with Him long enough and let the training be completed in you long enough. It'll happen more and more and more. The ultimate goal is this. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. You know what? Ours is the same thing. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Now, you know, probably over half the Christians in the world wouldn't even dare say such a thing. And yet I'm quoting scriptures. They're all through the, didn't Jesus say, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do too. Didn't he say, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. 
Glory to God. Let's keep reading here. He said, verse 31, What king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? How many know before you just say, yeah, I will meet you after church and we will fight? (laughs) And you never met the guy and you never seen him. It might be good to find out. <laughs> if he's three times as big as you and has been a fighter all his life, you might want to know that. Or if you're going to go out to fight somebody, like you're saying, you wind up, well, their army's twice as big as ours. Their army is three times. Well, you might have wanted to check on that before you said, yeah, we'll fight. Now, I know you're laughing, but do you know people do this all the time? They make commitments. I'll do this, I'm going to do that. And they don't know what they're biting off, they don't know what they're getting into. They got no idea. They haven't checked it. They haven't looked at it. They haven't seen it. We need to be quick to hear, the Bible said. Slow to commit yourself and say what you're going to do and what you're not going to do and talk and slow to get angry. A lot of people do some rash things when they get angry. They get upset and they run their mouth. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to sue you for everything you want. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Didn't pray. Didn't ask the Lord. And now they get in the middle of stuff and they just quit and they flop and they fail. Because they never heard from the Lord to start with. I used to tell uh, Brother Doc Horton was my teacher at Ramah. And then later on I had the privilege of ministering in Ramah. And... uh, We'd have a new batch of students, you know, come in first of the year, and it'd be orientation. And sometimes I'd have an opportunity to speak to them a little bit. And what I'd say almost every time, the Lord would bring it to me. I'd ask them a question. Did the Lord direct you to come here? Oh, they'd shout. Man, I mean, the place would roar. Yeah! Are you sure the Lord sent you to come here? Yes! I know it, I know it. Yes! Are you sure? I'd say it till they got tired of me. They'd just go, what's he saying? I said, be quiet. Look at me. Are you sure the Lord sent you to be here? And they didn't know why I'm asking him until three months later. Hmm? Or six months later. And sometimes you got folks sitting in your office, I'm going home. Well, you're sitting out there three months ago hollering, the Lord sent you here. Yeah, but I ain't eat a decent meal now in three months. And uh, I'm just not enjoying this. <laughs> Come on, tell me what happened in a case like this. They did not count the cost. And if you don't count the cost, there's no commitment. And I don't care what it is. The Lord can supernaturally reveal His will to you and send you to places, give you favor, give you jobs, give you places, give you a church, give you friends. And I'm telling you, again and again, things will come up. Difficulties, challenges, needs, things you don't like, things that rub you the wrong way, make you uncomfortable. And you know the first thing that will come up? First thing that will come up, the enemy will come to your mind. is, Are you sure you're supposed to be here? Are you sure? And if you can't stand up and answer that quick and solid, you're in trouble. I said you're in trouble because if you're questioning whether or not you're supposed to be there, there is no way you can have faith to stay. Faith is based on the known will of God. 
That's why, you know, Phyllis and I, before we came up here, that's why I prayed so much. We came from Tulsa to here. No money, no congregation. I didn't even think I was called to be a pastor. This is news to me. And I, I tell you what, I did no small praying. Oh, brother, sister, I, why? Because I knew if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Or die trying. I mean every word I'm saying. Somebody say, you're not serious or die trying. I am as serious as I'm standing here. Do it or die trying. And how many know if you got that commitment, you need to know before you step out, are you supposed to be doing this? Because you are not supposed to be committed like that to something that's not even the will of God. So we prayed and we looked and 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 we prayed until we could find. I mean, I found this. If it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. And if you keep praying about it and looking at it, you'll get more and more sure and more and more settled. And don't step out till you get sure. People move too quick and they mess up. They make commitments too quick. Don't even know what they're saying. And finally, we got settled. I had folk call me concerned about me. Brother Keith, you got a good ministry. You got more places than you can get to. What, you want to go bite off that big property? Man, you could get in trouble. You could fall on your face. And then it'll be a reproach. People will think, well, look, Brother Keith, how he messed up. I said, well, I said, I'm a man. I could miss it. I could mess up. I tell you this, though. I'd rather fall flat on my face trying to obey God than to sit back in the house and play it safe and do nothing. Come on now, are you with me? And if I missed it, I'll just stand up and be a man and say, hey, I missed it. I blew it. But you got to be willing to step out by faith, and then you got to be willing to stay with it, whether it looks like it's going to happen or it's not going to happen, whether people like it or whether they don't, whether it's popular or unpopular. Come on, come on. If you're his disciple and he's leading this way, you got to say, here we go. And there will be some hardness. And you got to endure it. You got, I mean, you got to gird up your loins and say, here we go. It's cold. Yeah, well, the Lord didn't say it all be easy. Here we go. Here we go. Get up. Hit it. Stay with it. And if you'll do it day in, day out, that's the kind of people that get miracles. That's the kind of people that God does great and amazing things for. And we know he's come through for us here. Don't we? We know he has. No question. No way we could have done this. He's done it. I said he's done it. Somebody say praise God. He went on to say, verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that what? Forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Is it going to cost you anything to be his disciple? How much? How much is it going to cost you? Now, When we read earlier, there in verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, don't let that throw you. Brother Keith, is he saying I'm supposed to hate my mom and daddy? I'm supposed to hate my kids? Well, you know, other scriptures said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And a murderer doesn't have eternal life about it. So not hate in that sense. If you look up the word, it means a couple of different things. One means to detest. And another one, and I think this is, 
maybe our language is not used quite like it was then. This definition says to love less. To love less. If you come to him and say, I want to follow you, and you don't love mama and daddy less than you love him. You don't love your brothers and sisters, your sons, your daughters, and your own life less than you do him. You cannot be his disciple. Now also though, the word, if you look it up, it means hate like you think hate in a lot of other places. And I think this, you should feel strongly about anything or anybody that stands between you following the Lord. Hmm? We're not supposed to hate people, but at the same time, you ought to feel very strongly about anything or anybody that would stand between you or prevent you from following him all the way. Now turn to another place here in Luke. I believe it's the ninth chapter. Matthew said it like this while you're turning there. You're going to Luke 9. Matthew 10, 37, he said this, He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now this is a huge area and part of why so many believers are not disciples. Because the truth is, they love somebody else more than they do him they wouldn't want to admit it but they're showing it they're demonstrating it daily I've taught before you've heard me family does not come first did you hear me your job does not come first your business does not come first your family does not come first the Lord comes first his things come first and I've had some people that were helping us in times past, you know, send word back to me and got back. They said, I know you teach that, but my family comes first. Well, then you can't be his disciple. Did you hear me now? If your kids come first, then he's not first. No man can serve two masters. Is it true? You love one and hate the other. You hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve. You can't have two lords. You can't have two masters. There's only place for one master. One lord. And he's to be first. Luke 9. Did you find it? Luke 9. And verse uh, 57. Luke 9. 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you're going. What's he saying to him? I want to be your disciple. You see, on more than one occasion, Jesus would tell people, follow me. Is that a big word? Does that mean your life is changing totally? Does it follow me? And you'll see the fishermen. They left their business, they left their nets and followed him. Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. He left his tax booth, he left that life, and he followed him. Follow me. Well, then some people came to him and said, I want to follow you. And that's what's going on with this rest of this chapter. 
I want to follow. I'll follow you anywhere. Easy to say. Do you know what you're saying? You don't unless you find out. How many know you should come asking questions? He should have come and said, Lord, if I follow you, (laughs) what's it going to take? What's it going to take to follow you? But he just says, I'll follow you anywhere. Sometimes people have romantic notions. I've had people talk to Phyllis and I about the ministry. They think, boy, ministry is wonderful. Riding in jets and living in big houses. Whoo! Glory. Dressing up, getting up in front of people. They look at you and pay attention to you. Woo, yeah. That's a life for me. <laughs> now, it's all the stuff you don't see. That's the deal. <laughs> he said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes got holes, birds of the air have nests. He said, I, I don't have a place to lay my head right now. Now we know he stayed in good places. And we know the big thing is he became poor so we could be rich. But at the same time, you know, there's uh, twice plus in Phyllis in my life that we built up, you know, house, lands, things, and walked away from it all. How many know in your heart, no matter what you got, you should live in a tent? I don't care if you got a 90-room mansion and a 1,000-acre place. In your heart, you ought to live in a tent. What does that mean? You can strike this thing and be gone tomorrow. Because everything down here is temporary. Everything. Everything. I've seen more than one person miss God, miss the plan of God for their life over a place. A place. Well, I love living here. And mom and them lived here. And this place has been in our family for three years. I couldn't leave home. I, no. Hey, you're leaving soon. One way or another. Right? You're out of here. Ain't nobody going to stay on a little plot of ground too long. <laughs> and it's not going to matter. Your place, my place, everybody's place. Ashes, ashes in a few days. This whole thing is going to melt with fervent heat and you won't be able to find your place with a flashlight. (laughs) You won't even know what country you're in or state because it won't exist anymore. I said it won't exist. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And you know the city you want to be interested in? The one he's got for you. The place that you want to be interested in? The one he's preparing for you. That's your real place. You ain't even seen it yet. All this stuff, temporary. Just passing through. Just use it and go on. Don't get hung up on it. Don't get attached to it. Don't get attached to houses, lands, Oh, the Lord's talking to some people. Come on. Don't get attached. I can't leave here. Yes, you can. And it's easier than you think. Especially when he gives you better. Verse 39. He said to another, when Jesus said to another, and what did he say? Follow me. Has he said that to anybody since then? Follow me. I know he said it to me and Phyllis. Follow me. Follow me. Is it going to change your life dramatically? Totally. 
is it worth it? Yes. yes. There's nothing better in existence than life in Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. And what did the guy say? He said, Lord, let me first. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's. How many know that word right there? For, let me first go and uh, bury my father. Now the implication is wait till he dies and bury him and get, you know, that part of my life. Oh, friend. So many people have missed and are missing the plan of God for their lives because of procrastination for family's sake. Well, Lord, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, when we get the kids raised and we get our kids through school, when I get my business built up, you know, when mom and them go on home to be with the Lord and when we do, that is a way to never obey God. Because months turn into years. Come on, listen to me. Months turn into years. Years turn into decades. I know people. I know people. Thinking of a couple right now. They came to me 20 some years ago. I was involved at Raymond. They knew. They said God told us to come to Raymond and get trained and go into the ministry. But we got so much debt and we don't know how to do it. I said, look, God will get you out. He got us out the same way. They said, all right, we believed with them. And I mean in a few months. They're out of debt. They got money to move. They got ready. And I thought, glory to God. Look what the Lord did for you. They said, well, yeah, but you know, we got to talking. And, you know, mom and them ain't doing good. And I think we better just stay. Well, now, hold on. It can't be both ways. Did the Lord tell you to do this or didn't he? If the Lord told you to do something, he is already aware of how it's going to affect everybody and everything. And if he told you to do it anyway, it's because he's got it covered. And a lot of people are really overestimating their own importance. By thinking that people can't make it without them. The fact is in a lot of cases. They'll make it better. Without you being there. Because they're whining and playing on your affections. You're falling for it. (laughs) Now here's another thing. If you choose a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent, over God, that person that you chose over God will not love you for it and will not be thankful to you for it. I'm going to go over this slowly. If you miss the plan of God for your wife or for your husband or for your son or daughter, or parent. It will not endear you to them. They will not love you for it. They won't even be thankful for it. They will see you. Even if you're doing what they told you to do. Or asked you to do for them. They will not respect you for it. They will see you as weak. And you can't be blessed in it. Because even if they won't admit it. They know in their heart. You're disobedient to God. And you cannot prosper in it. And I'm telling you, we're talking about millions of people in this situation right now. I know in healing school some years ago, elderly couple there. And he was one of the nicest guys I have met in a long time. Just a, 
you enjoyed being around him. I mean, he was a pleasure to talk to and be around. They were with me for two or three weeks, both of them sick, serious issues. And the Lord led me along these lines of teaching on the will of God and committing to the will of God. One of the things I kept saying, if you want the perfect will of God in blessing for your life, you have to do the perfect will of God in obedience to his plan. We kept talking about those things all week. They were with me two or three weeks. Finally, one day after the service, he came up to me, tears just coming down his face. He said, oh, Brother Keith, he said, that's me. I said, what? He's such a kind, nice guy. He said, God told me to go be a missionary to China when I was 18 years old. And he said, we've never done it. He said, my wife and I met, we got married. And right after that, the Lord dealt with us like that. They got married real young and he told me to do this. And I told her, she said, I'm not going. She said, I'm not leaving mom and daddy. I'm not leaving home. I'm not going over there and may not even have running water and electricity and nothing. This was many years ago too. And I, I'm not going. If you're going, you're going without me. And he saw she meant it. And he had a choice. What was his choice? What was his choice? If you're going to be the Lord's disciple... You cannot love anybody or any piece of ground or any job or anything more than you love him. If he said, you know, I tell my friends, Phyllis knows this. She's the same way. My family knows this now. My friends know this now. Do not make me pick between Jesus and you. I won't even pray about it. Did you hear me now? Don't you just gonna be left out? Do not try to make me pick between you and Jesus. Mm-mm. Ain't no choice. I made that choice decades ago. I prayed through on that years ago. So nothing to pray about now. He said, Brother Keith, I just didn't think I could stand a loser. Now let's just stop right here. How does he know he would have lost her? But she said she wasn't coming. She might not have. And you got to be willing if she don't. If she never does. You got to be willing. But how does he know? She might get tired of living by herself. God might get to dealing with her, right? She might not have gone on the first trip or the second, but the third trip she might show up with her bags packed. Listen, my friend, the best favor you ever did anybody that you love is obey God. Go with God all the way. Sometimes it may seem like it's separating you from them. But in the end, I said in the end, it's going to pay off. Some of the very people that told me in the beginning of ministry, oh, don't do that. Don't go over there. Don't move. Don't do that. Don't go to school. You don't need to do that. I mean, years later, they're the biggest ones patting me on the back and go, boy, you did the right thing. Boy, I mean, same thing. Some people told me not to come over here, not to pastor, not to go to Branson. Oh, man, scared for me. Same ones go, boy, you did the right thing. Oh, yeah, you did. The... If you listen to people, you'll never obey God. You'll never step out. How many masters do you have? Come on, help me out. Now, how many, how many masters? And it's not your wife. It's not your husband. Come on. You may say, well, he's the head of the house. Well, he ain't the head of the church. No. 
No, one master. We all got the same master. We all got the same Lord. Keep reading this. He said, first, let me go bury my father. Is that a problem? This first business. Jesus said to him, what? Let the dead bury the dead. Let the dead take care of the dead. How many understand? They're not just going to leave them out. Somebody will bury them. (laughs) Somebody will take care of it. What if I'm not there? They'll eat. They ain't going to starve to death. But what if I'm not there? Somebody will take care. I know. Now, now this is not to say not do what you can for your folks. We're not saying that. But if the Lord told you to go, you're not going to help them by staying. People think they do. I know one time I was off another part of the country and my family was going through something real serious. And I just found out about it like an hour or two before I was supposed to go on the platform to preach. And boy, a bunch of things in me were saying to me, you can't do this. You need to leave. You need to go quick as you can and get to them and help them. And I was really thinking that way. And the Lord got a hold of me. He said, I'm everywhere. I'm there just like I'm here. And he said, and I'm their savior and healer and deliverer. Not you. He said, I love my family here just as much as you love your family there. He said, you minister to my family here, I'll take care of your family there. You're doing what I tell you to do here, I'll take care of them. How many know if you're obeying God, He's going to take care of things for you. He is. He's faithful. And you know, He did it. I said, okay. It wasn't necessarily easy. I had to put my soul under. I had to discipline myself. Didn't I? Sometimes you feel like turning around and running away and running home, but you've got to turn yourself, dry your eyes, throw your head up, say, it's a job to be done. Let's go. Like a good soldier, like a highly trained athlete, here we go. And I'm telling you while I'm a preaching, while I'm helping them, while I'm laying hands on the sick in that place a thousand miles away, God raised up two or three people and anointed them and sent them over there and gave them a word from the Lord and brought them out of that crisis and it was done by the time I got out of service glory to God better than I could have done anything about it if you'll take care of his he will take care of yours but he can't do it and you out of the will of God and you putting your loved ones ahead of him keep reading let the dead bury their dead You go and preach the kingdom of God. Another one said, Lord, verse 61, I will follow you. What's he saying? I'll be your disciple. I want to be your disciple. I will follow you, but hmm, let me first, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, there it is again. Come on, are you hearing this this morning? Let me first... Go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. Now, you've got to hear the spirit that they're saying this with. And you see that from the rest of what he said. They're saying, this is pitiful tone. That's what this is. I'll follow you, Lord. But just let me first go back and say bye to mom and them. Because I'm going to give it all up for you, Jesus. I'm just going to lay it all down. You don't qualify. You're talking about being something that Jesus said you don't even qualify for. 
whining about what it's costing you. It means you don't know what an honor it is to be a disciple. Talking about what you gave up. What you left behind. Means you don't understand the glory of what you're called to. Come on, can you see this now? These are not my thoughts and words. Read the very next thing. He said, I want to follow you, but let me first go back and say bye to them. And what did Jesus say? Come on, help me out. What did he say? Read the next verse. What did he say? No man having put his hand to the plow and what? What does that mean looking back? Looking back, longing, pining, whining. Hmm? We had people sometimes leave Raymond. We'd have to counsel with them on the exit interview. And why are you leaving? Because, you know, just a few months later, we was all in the assembly there, and they're hollering. I said, did God tell you to come? Yeah, yeah, I'm here on a mission from the Lord. He told me to do it. Six months later, I'm going home. Why? Well, you know, at Mama's house, I had steak every Wednesday. And we had Mexican food on Thursdays. And chicken and dumplings on Tuesdays. And I've been eating them Raymond noodles for six months now. I'm about to starve to death. (laughs) Somebody said, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. But here's the deal. You can't just say, we're sacrificing, we're suffering for Jesus. You don't qualify if you think like that and talk like that. If you know the truth, you're saying, this is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed. This is no price at all compared to what he's offered us. And given to be a personal disciple of Jesus... For him to train me to be just like him. And this life is just the beginning of it. He's training us to rule and reign with him. Throughout eternity. In his kingdom. And you're talking about missing a meal? Having to eat some noodles? Say it out loud. The cost. The price. Is not to be compared. With the glory. That shall be revealed. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord, for your graciousness, your goodness, your mercy. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Lord, help me to see the cost, to count the cost, to see what's required, the commitment, the submission. To be your disciple. To follow you fully. Now only say this. If it's that way with you. If you're serious about it. Say it out loud. If it's true with you. I'm willing. To be willing. Work in me. To will and to do. Of all your good pleasure. Your good will. Your good plan. I'm willing. To be willing. Work it in me. Show me what it takes. I'm willing to look at it. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. Listen to this. You can open your eyes. Look at me. Uh, Brother Keith, are you saying, is the word saying that all of us are supposed to quit our jobs and leave our families and preach 24-7? No. No. The Lord's not saying that. 
Not everybody's supposed to be preachers. God's got people called to all places in life. But what you do, should be willing to do, is whatever it takes to follow his plan and not let anything or anybody hold you back or hold you out. And sometimes people say, well, I'm willing to leave them. Well, are you willing to stay with them? (laughs) Even though you're not having fun. If it's the plan of God and he said stay with them, how many know you got to put your flesh under? Well, so-and-so's offering me a better deal. and -and So-and-so's offering me more money. What's that got to do with it? Hmm? I can do better for myself. You can't do better than the plan of God. So you best stay where He put you. Stay where He joined you to. Stay where He hooked you to. Because that's where your blessing's at. That's where your grace is. That's where your anointing is. That's where your prosperity is. You jump out of that and looking for some greener grass on the other side, oh, you're going to get in trouble. I said, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I'm willing to leave. Well, are you willing to stay? Say that loud. I'm willing to stay. I'm willing to stay hooked. I'm willing to obey. You know, loving people is good, but it's even more important to love the Lord above everything. You know, we had the privilege of serving with the Hagans for a number of years, 20-some years, and uh, I had people sometimes, you know, he'd call and I'd run up the platform. Sometimes we'd, you know, if they call for something, we'd leave our stuff and just go and help them. And and people would say, uh, boy, you sure must love him. Uh, We did. But that wasn't the main thing. Are y'all with me now? We did love them and still do. But you know, loving people is not enough to last through anything and everything and decade after decade. Why'd you do it? Because 20 some years before, sitting there, beginning in the ministry, the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me. He gave me three words. I didn't know it would be my directive for the next 20 some years. Three words. Help Brother Hagen. That's what he told me. Well, then I should do that even if I didn't like Brother Hagen. Are y'all with me now? Even if I didn't like him, or if he didn't like me, or if I didn't think he treated me right, what's that got to do with it? If I love the Lord, I'm going to do what he told me to do with the best of my ability. Come on, can you see this? This, you got to love him more than you love people, or more than you love yourself. Say it out loud, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.